Forerunners Podcast. On this week's episode, we're joined by Jason Hallenbeck. He is a wild man who is crazy about ultra running and taking adventures. So let's jump right in. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Forerunners Podcast. I am here with the Jason Hallenbeck. How are you, man? No, I'm doing good, man. Good. It's uh, nice to to be back after this short break. Um, so let's dive right in, man. We'll talk about where you're from, dude. Are you from here? or? Yeah, so, so I grew up uh, mostly in Pennsylvania, but little known fact, I was actually born in Alaska. So I'm technically an Alaska native, but then uh, mostly grew up in Pennsylvania, and then after that, I've gone all over the place. I lived in Colorado, New Mexico, spent a little bit of time in Missouri, um, Western PA, Eastern PA, and then eventually, three years ago, I landed down here. Nice. So, you're telling me that you're like my 10,000th guest, 10,000th guest that's been from Pennsylvania, dude. Oh, oh yeah, man. This is, uh, this is Steelers season on the Forerunners podcast. <laughs> The funniest thing happened when was, uh, I think Luke Lisinski, he texted me and he was like, hey man, I just listened to Amanda's podcast, Amanda Pearson's podcast, and you talked a lot of trash about the uh, Steelers, like you called it a rebuilding <laughs> year, and now they're undefeated. Yep. Are they 9-0 right yeah, now? Yeah, they're 9-0 right now. And you're a Steelers guy. Yep. And you did bring up the fact that at some point the Bills and the Steelers will meet. Yeah, they're playing next month. Well, I was hoping this interview would fall on that, and then... We we could have had this after the game, and one of us would have been crying. Dang man! <laughs> well, it won't be me because somebody's O's got to go, yeah. and ours is already gone, so it's y'all's. So, but uh, anyways, I'm I'm really shocked that y'all are doing so good. I don't even understand. Yeah. Like I literally thought y'all's team had fallen apart. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. First six games of the season, I was like, yeah, they're just overrated. It's just a it's a really weak schedule, and and trying to hold off that like no 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 the loss is gonna come, and it just. Didn't come. <laughs> yeah, Forerunners podcast, the Pittsburgh Steelers season. Yep. That's what it is. That's, that's the luck right there. You keep inviting <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers fans onto the podcast, we're going to keep winning. That's that's oh, how it man. goes. <laughs> i got to stop this immediately. i got to go through the rest of my guests be like, hey, are you a Steelers fan? I'm sorry. you got to come on next season after the Super Bowl. <laughs> so, But anyways, so you've been everywhere. Yeah, really. all where, over the place. Where have you lived the longest? Uh, Pennsylvania was by far the longest, but it's been all over, so... Northwest PA, Pittsburgh PA, which is when I became a Steelers fan. Yeah. Eastern PA is where I grew up, um, at, but I wasn't really a football fan quite then. But I grew up just north of Philly basically my entire like school life. Yeah, gotcha. So tell me a little bit about your family. And I know you your family has just, uh, you recently just kind of made your own tiny little thing go on so what's going on with that so uh me and my now wife bailey we had a we had a covid wedding so we had gotten engaged i think it was it was march um and it was right as covid was starting to build up and then so when you start planning the whole wedding thing covid was like in full swing and everyone's like well if you want to plan a wedding it's gonna have to be like 18 months from now because everybody's pushing their weddings back we're like well do we want to wait 18 months to get married or do we just kind of want to have a friend do this thing for us <laughs> yeah. right now? And we, we kind of like just wrote it off like, oh, well, we'll throw a party and something later on. So we got we got married back in April. Nice. Basically right after that, yeah. Yeah. 
you were like, you know, screw COVID, dude. Yeah, screw COVID. It's not gonna, it's not gonna throw off my plans. Yeah, here. we went down to Pungo and had the little like drive-through uh, wedding service thing, which apparently Pungo's turned into Vegas now. So yeah, <laughs> that's funny. You uh, now she is a she's a a lover of horses, dude. She really oh, yeah. loves horses. We got engaged and married on the farm. Yeah, <laughs> nice. And the horse was the best man. <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> that's funny so let's talk a little bit about your athletic background okay. um like when you were younger did you play sports or or what was your life like athletically yeah i was ever since i was a little kid uh my parents got me huge into sports my dad was really big on hockey uh we biked a whole bunch and that i really got into running in high school so yeah. i did the i did the cross country and the track thing i was always like a, a good but not great athlete you know, like I ran a, I ran like a low 17 cross country 5k and I ran like a, a really low two 800 meter in track, which is it's good enough to be like a good runner, but not like, oh, you're going to be a D1 athlete. Mm. But running for me was always like a back burner sport because my big sports in high school were uh, roller hockey the first couple of years and then inline speed skating the towards the latter half. Um, like racing? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So... My junior year, I went to the Junior uh, junior Olympic National Championships. I won a bronze there. Uh, I set yeah. a regional 500-meter record. And then my senior year, I was 18, so I got to throw my hat in the ring in the pro division and quickly learned I was not good enough to skate in the pro division. I had one shining moment. I had one shining moment. This is like, this is like what I hang my hat on for like high school athletics. Um, it was it was the last summer of 2005. I graduated high school. I was getting ready for the whole college thing, and um, I went to the basically the national championships, which were the you know they they crowned the Team USA members and all this other stuff. I had a terrible race. I was ranked like 25th or like really down on board. But there was a relay event, and I had two really good relay partners, and we threw down like the very last race of the event. So me. Chris Kreveling, who went on to win a, a silver medal at the Sochi Olympics, and Darren Kaufman, uh, we set the three-man pro relay record in 2005, and it never got broken. Dang. Yeah, so I've got that like hanging on my wall. That's my that's my big like creme de la creme high school athletics. Nice, and moment. that's like basically rollerblading. Yep. That's crazy. Yeah, those big long inline wheel skates. Yep. My nephew just won a championship for roller hockey oh nice just yesterday oh sweet <laughs> yeah it is he's i guess they break it up into like skill level and yep. not not age yeah and he's giant so he like you can't miss him on the rink okay because he's so huge but yeah he was rolling around with a little it looks like a little stanley cup <laughs> it was pretty funny so um so from what i gather from social media and some stories that you've uh you've written on on the internet is that fitness what didn't stay important to you yeah exactly um anybody who's in their 20s listening <laughs> don't make the mistake that i made so like i i you know i was huge in athletics in high school and i loved it it was a huge part of my life and i played a little bit of like d3 ice hockey when i was in college it's just kind of like a fun thing to do and then i made that critical mistake of just being like you know what no more sports. I got to take life super serious, and uh, you know my own personal needs like become the bottom of the you know the importance chain of my life, and like 
that just wrecked me. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't eat right. I didn't work out. I didn't think about my own personal needs. And I did that for like seven or eight years after college. And I gained a whole bunch of weight and I was just really unhappy with where I was, where my life was and all this other stuff. And I think a lot of it was seeing my friend, Chris, the guy who I grew up with, who I trained with all through high school and a bunch of middle school and seeing him win a silver medal at the Olympics. I was like, why am I so unhappy? Like, mm-hmm. like he's doing this super awesome, amazing thing. And I'm just sitting here being depressed. And the first thing I did was I changed my diet. Mm-hmm. Right? I was over 200 pounds at that point. And anybody who hasn't seen me, I'm, I weigh like 145 now. I'm like 5'6". Yeah. I so mean, like, for you to be 200, you were a big dude. Yeah. So that's, that's like 60 pounds more than what I'm, what I'm at right now. Yeah. And the first thing I did was I changed my diet. I didn't even add, I didn't really think about adding workouts in because like, and I was still in that mentality of like, I, I have to put my work first and, you know, my house first and all this other stuff first before me, but you can kind of change your diet without sacrificing a lot of other stuff. Yeah. So that was the first thing I changed. And I had to go through a couple diets before I figured out what worked for me. But eventually, like after months and months, I had lost like 30 35 pounds Mm -hmm. and I was feeling better like I was just more fit I didn't have headaches all the time I wasn't like constantly out of energy and I kind of realized I feel so much better just making this one little change in my life what happens if I changed a bunch of stuff yeah and that's when like I did this life flip I changed where I lived I changed my relationship status I changed my job and moved down here and like flipped everything yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to start putting my own needs first. And that just, it's like revolutionary. I mean, it was a, it was a hard first couple of months changing all those things yeah. in one time. Like it was literally over a span of a week. I changed everything. Oh gosh. Day. Yeah. It was, it was very jarring. But like after everything settled for a couple of months, like it started feeling a lot better. And I, I started working out a lot more. You know, CrossFit was kind of the big thing. And one of my best friends from high school, he owned a CrossFit gym. So mm-hmm. I was like, hey, man, find me, you know, this here's this CrossFit gym that's near me. Take a look at it. And he, like, scoped it out for me. He's like, yeah, it's really good gym. Um, and CrossFit was great. It was, it was an amazing athletic endeavor. And I did it for, like, six months. And I started getting trim and cut and feeling really good and, you mm-hmm. know, getting those, like, workout endorphin highs. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm still missing one little thing. And I realized it was compete. Yeah. Yeah. Because in high school, there's always the race that you're looking forward to. There's always the, you know, the event that you were looking forward to. And as much as I like CrossFit, it was not, I wasn't good at it. Yeah. <laughs> I just was not. I good identify at it. with that. Yeah. <laughs> the whole, the whole heavy lifting thing. Like I, I like heavy lifting. I'm just not good at it. <laughs> let, let me tell you something. I did CrossFit for just a few months. Mm-hmm. I think maybe last year. It was last year. After my um, my first marathon. And I was legitimately out of everybody. No matter who it was. Old, old ladies. Old men. Mm-hmm. Little kids. I was legitimately the weakest person <laughs> there, dude. I could not do anything. Like, I didn't even come close to the prescribed weight, dude, yep. ever. I was, I did excel in the cardio stuff just because yep. I was a runner. So yep. I think that happens to everybody. Like, 
if if you're CrossFit and you do heavy lifting, cardio is like the worst thing. But yep. if you're a runner doing CrossFit, like the assault bike, the row mm-hmm. machine, the running, like you just cream everybody. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're the first one off the assault bike, <laughs> but then like the seventy year old grandma's passing you on pull ups. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like so, but I didn't. I wasn't very good at CrossFit, but um, yeah, my brother's doing it now. He's he's really getting stronger. So. Uh, and he likes it, but he's part of the, he's got that cult mentality, you yeah. know, like, like he's all in. Yep. So you did that for about six months, yep. wanted to compete. So what happened? Well, I, I, I remember I had a weekend where like, I, that kind of came to me. I, I needed some kind of competition, something to, um, to go at. And I kind of thought about it for a weekend. Like, what do I want to compete in? If I'm, if I'm going to leave CrossFit and I'm going to do something else, what do I want to do? And I wasn't sure exactly what, but the one thing I knew is I didn't want to go back into the racing mentality that I had in speed skating where, you know, it's just, it's Drew kind of actually touched a little bit on this with his interview with you, where he talked about so much of it depends on who shows up and how hard they push. Like that's every single race. So I was kind of like, I want to race where it doesn't matter who shows up. It's about getting to the finish line. It's not about, getting first place or getting on the podium or, or this, it's a, you know, you want this metaphorical mountain to climb. Mm-hmm. So I go to the Google machine and I'm like, what are the hardest events out there that amateur athletes can do? And there's a couple of different ways you can Google that. And there's a whole bunch of different lists out there. And the first thing that always shows up is climbing Mount Everest. I'm like, I don't have $40,000 to climb Mount Everest. So we're going to write that one off. Yeah. The second one was an Ironman. Yeah. I'm like, Oh yeah, that, that should have struck me at first. Ironman's a huge, they're like super popular. So I'm like, okay, what's the hardest Ironman that like I can logistically make easy that I can like drive to? Yeah. So Lake Placid Ironman up in New York is a, is a significant amount of climbing. It's a beast of an event. And the next one's in August of next year. I'm like, okay, signed up. I'm going to sign up for that race when sign up is open. Next thing on the list, these uh, obstacle course races. I'm like, okay, well, what's the, what's the hardest Spartan obstacle course race? on the east coast and it's the the new jersey ultra spartan race and that's in the spring i'm like okay we're gonna sign up for that let's just sign up for the hardest things that are out oh there all in the same year because you know and then the the fourth thing that always showed up on every single list was ultra marathons you know mm. running for like 24 hours 100 milers and my first thought was, who in their right mind would ever want to do that? Yeah. That sounds just absolutely miserable. No way. Not going to happen. Not done. I'm not going to do that. So my whole game plan was I'm going to have a spring event, which was an obstacle course race. I'm going to have a fall event, which is um, the Ironman. I'm like, that, that's great, right? That's, that's nice and controllable. So I start training for these things, right? And, and I really start to hone in on the Ironman. Like I, I grew up biking with my dad. Um, you know, I, I have a history of running, so, like, I'm, I'm okay with that. And the swim portion, I just figure I'm just going to, you know, plow through, at, you know, suffer fest. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I, I start training the swim a lot because I know I'm going to be bad at that. And I started doing the bike a lot because I've always enjoyed biking. Biking has always been my cross train of choice. And we, uh, what ended up happening, I, I like to call it the run. <laughs> It's this one run that happened down in Georgia, and it, it, it opened up my mind. So, right, so out of all these events and, and all of these trainings, I've always missed that, like, that 
that mental feeling you have when you like sprint out the finish line and just like at the last moment you just nail it mm-hmm. right and, and you we experience i experience that all the time in speed skating um but you know i hadn't really experienced it in crossfit or, or in any of this other stuff and i went down to georgia for work and i got to drive so i had my bike with me and we're down on jekyll island which if anybody has ever gotten the opportunity to jekyll island is one of the most beautiful places to bike it's amazing and i was supposed to spend like three weeks down there i'm like super stoked and i went out for my first ride and you know there's rose petals falling all over the place and it's just like picturesque this is what like you know famous instagrammers like post up on their instagram kind of beautiful stuff and i love it and i go out on the second day and my rear derailleur just completely eats it gone this thing is toast and i don't have any tools with me to fix any of this stuff and i'm like oh well that just ruined my next three weeks of planning but i did bring my run stuff with me and up until now like i'd run a little bit here or there like you know i think my longest run was like eight miles mm-hmm. keep in mind like, i'm in terrible shape yeah <laughs> like, i'm still trying to build up from basically nothing like couch to 5k basically right mm-hmm. and i just get it in my mind like you know what I've run a couple of like training half Ironmans where I've ran the half marathon, but I've never just ran a half marathon. And the, the curiosity in my brain sticks. I wonder what I could run a half marathon. In. So the next day I, I, I plot out a course, a lot, you know, beautiful run along like the, the Georgia sunset. And I'm like, I'm going to run 13.9. That's, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Right. So I kind of ballparked. I'd been running like, two hours, 10 minutes during these half Ironmans. So I wonder if I can go sub two hours. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing. I, I, I put on my shoes and I go out on this course by myself to run a half Ironman. And I had this, this new fangled watch, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. It was a guy who worked out in 2005, like to magically come back into the running scene in 2019 uh, with like watches that can tell you your pace line yeah. and all this other crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. So I have this new watch that can tell me my pace live and every single mile and all this other stuff, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. So I go out and the first mile that ticks by, ticks by at like an 8.30 or like an 8.25. And that's really fast if you're trying to do a sub two hour. That's like, you know, 145 pace. Mm-hmm. And I get this little flicker in my brain, like, keep going keep going and i take away another mile like 8:30 take away another mile at 8:30 and that little that little spark starts to grow a little big and around 6 miles in you know you're halfway through and you know you're still ticking away like 8:30s 8:40s and that little flame in your brain of like all right we're going to throw away the 2 hour goal that's gone now we're going sub 150 we're going to see if we can go sub let's just take 10 minutes off of our marathon plan yeah and it's funny now because that sounds absolutely insane but at the time that was just like yeah let's do that let's just take 10 minutes off the half marathon yeah so now i'm just shooting for 150 so you know i'm ticking away mile after mile after mile and that little flame in my head is just growing bigger and bigger and that like belief that yeah i can i can run sub 150 i can run sub 150 and you know you hit the 10 mile mark in a half marathon and that's when everything just starts to fall apart mm-hmm. when you're when you're first starting out you know mm-hmm. and i go back to that uh 
just that training I had back in high school with the cross country coaches, just maintaining the arm swing, maintaining form and just pushing. And I, I suddenly realized like I might be good at this <laughs> and I'm, I'm pushing to maintain form and, and I get down to like the last mile and I look at my watch and I do the math and I'm like, I just have to run another mile at like an 845 and, and then push through that last 10th of a mile. And I'm just throwing my arms as hard as I can. And I, I hit the 13 mile mark and you know, you've got that last point one. So you just pick off a point because this isn't a, this isn't a race or anything. I'm just out yeah. of my own doing it. You just pick off a point that's about a 10th of a mile away and you just stare at it and you just start throwing your arms and that little flame in your head of like belief that you can do it is just this huge giant bonfire just pushing you to go yeah. and you're just throwing your arms as fast as you can and basically what you think is a flat out sprint but you're probably only doing like an eight minute mile and you're just going and going and going and you hit that point and you look down at your watch and it says 13.15 and you hit stop and you look at it and it says 149.32 and you're just like yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and if you'd have looked at me, I probably looked like a crazy person because I probably looked like I had just won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, sitting there with like my hands above my head, celebrating all crazy, and feeling, sweating yeah. everything, and just out in the middle of nowhere in Georgia by yes. myself. <laughs> and that that was the feeling I had, man. Where it was just like, that's what I was missing. Yeah, that was the last little bit, like that that internal struggle I'd had for years. That last and that and. It was running. That's where it became running. Yep. And that nice. was the run. And that night, so that little, those little lists were like ultra running. And I was like, no, I'm never going to. That put a little bug in my ear. That night, I discovered ultra sign up, which is where like 90% of the ultra marathon races are. I, I discovered YouTube videos of guys running, you know, hard rock marathons and just these beautiful mountain landscapes. And I'm like, this is what I got to do. That's it. Okay, so you went from just trying to train for a 5K to all of a sudden one day doing some freak half marathon to being like, this is it. Yep. I'm doing ultras. Yep, this is it. <laughs> yep. That's funny. It's amazing. You know, it's amazing how much YouTube plays into people's interest in ultra marathoning. Yep. Like I'm technically I would say I've I've done an ultra and I'm about you I'm have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm training Let, Well, let's let's dispel this right now. So the, the I know I know you've had the debate of whether or not 50k in a day yeah is an ultra marathon if you'd spend the whole day. As long as you do it in a day, yeah, it doesn't matter. It That's, doesn't matter. You're been, an ultra marathon runner. That way. Jill off the mic Jill told me that. Yep. Like that's way before we even, I even knew I was going to do that. Yep. But, uh, yeah. So if you cover more than twenty six point two miles in a twenty four hour period, you are an ultra marathoner. Yep. So, but there is always something in the back of my head and other people's heads to say I got to try to do it all at one go. Yep. And I'm going to at Seashore fifty k, but uh, but I'll tell you this, I don't. I, I'm, this might this, I don't. I say this too much, but it might be my last one. You know? <laughs> Didn't you say that about a marathon? You just did that yesterday, dude. That was. 
I mean, I don't think I'm going to do a marathon again. Yeah, then, I'm I mean, going to do one solo. It, that was incidental. <laughs> that was incidental. So, and then you sign up for a 50k. You yeah. know you're going to do a marathon in the 50k. Yeah, I right? mean that's like not the same. Though. Like you skip the marathon. You know, it's like it's you know, but I am doing it. I it was it came at a perfect time. You know, like yep. right the sign up came during the pandemic. It was like I need something in mm-hmm. in seashore. I mean, it would take like a big thing for that to get canceled, especially with the, at that point, the world was starting to open up a little bit more, even though we've kind of shrunken back a little bit. So it just made sense. But I am fascinated with ultra runners. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, (laughs) it's just like all my favorite runners are ultra runners. And uh, even, even all my favorite runners locally Mm-hmm. are just ultra runners so i don't even i don't know what my fat i just think i just know how much running a long distance sucks really bad mm-hmm. and to know that somebody can just ignore how much that <laughs> sucks and continue to go oh, yeah. is just like it i think it means it means a lot about that person i, I think it's it's uh i just think it's incredible so i'm always fascinated so you became a runner, yep. And you came back here um, after Georgia, and you got involved in some run groups. I mean, how how important have run groups been in your in your life? No, oh, they've been huge. Yeah. Um, and, and not even just run groups, just regular like workout groups, like November Project, uh, Drew Crew, Kempsville Run Club, Norfolk Run Club, Back Sweat Boys, Nurk, all I I. I like to just tour around all of Virginia Beach and just hang out with people. Yeah. 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 Nice. Um, so you just dove right into – your whole story covered like three or four of my questions. I know. I know. Sorry. I just kind of went on a roll there for a while. <laughs> Let's just th- – yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about your all a bunch of your racing experiences in mm-hmm. the next episode. But – one thing I want to talk about this episode is your training. Because okay. if anybody follows Jason Hallenbeck on Strava, they know that he does some crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff just for training. Let me let me tell you the first thing I ever noticed about you. The first time I ever went, this dude like this dude's crazy. <laughs> So, my brother lives up uh, off Leeds Manor Road in Warrington, and it's just like a straight shot to Old Rag, like one hour away. Oh, nice. And I just learned about Old Rag, like after visiting him, uh, like a couple weeks ahead of the time I saw your Strava post. And I looked on Strava, and I saw that you had gone to Old Rag Mm -hmm. and tried to run a loop. And you described how it didn't work out that it didn't go too well. But what I really noticed about the Strava post was the time that you started your run. Because <laughs> I believe it was like 1 a.m. or something. It was yeah. like some crazy in the middle of the night running this technical, <laughs> this crazy technical course with like literal scrambles on rocks yep. it's like oh my gosh what is he doing he's going in the pitch black i don't even know how you got in in the park yeah so <laughs> anybody who's never been to old rag it's there's a big 10 mile loop 
and it's the it most of it is trail but once you get to the top into the rock say it's 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 a lot of scramble so it's a lot of hand holds a lot of having to lift yourself up like actual climbing climbing which i i do a bunch of that too and i like it uh the problem is trying to scramble at night <laughs> when the only thing on the trail are these tiny little blue markers and you can only see what your headlamp points at so mm. you can lose them very easily <laughs> And, oh, and and let me also preface that I was trying to see how close I could get to the fastest known time and trying to do that on night on a course I'd never run before wasn't the best idea. That was a recipe for failure, which is that, that that's probably what we can call this podcast because if we're going to talk about my races, we're going to talk about a lot of recipes for failure. But that run, that was it right there. It was, hey, let's, let's try and go for an FKT at one o'clock in the morning. That's... Oh, God. <laughs> How many miles did you get in before you decided this isn't the one? Like this isn't happening. The old round? Yeah. Um, I can't. Oh, I, and once I hit the scramble, I was like, oh, no, nope. just over. Yeah, when you when you spend two, I mean, for FKTs, most of them, if you lose two or three minutes, you're done. And I'm like, well, I've lost about ten minutes trying to in the first like half of the scramble. This is just for fun now. Nice. So this, <laughs> and don't get me wrong, it was it's it's an amazing it's a it's a beautiful view and it's a it's a it's a very doable scramble um so anybody who's who's there's a reason why old rag is probably the most popular trail in virginia because it is gorgeous and one of the reasons why i did it at one o'clock in the morning is because i didn't want anybody else to be there to get in my way (laughs) i heard if you're gonna go run there you got to go early because lines form at the scrambles yep so you know they're not there at one o'clock in the morning yeah i bet you they're not (laughs) The only thing there is a bear, yeah. a bear trying to get up the rock. <laughs> yep. All right, so this brings me to my question because you do night runs. Yeah. Like you go out at night, yep. and there's a reason for it. Can you explain that to us? But 2019 especially, that was the year of night races because I had a 50-miler that had a 6 p.m. start, and my 100-miler had a 6 p.m. start. So – yeah, there's there's no choice but to run through the the, the first race. You're literally racing the sun up, and um, grindstone. You're running through the night, and it's it's in November or October, so it's a long night. Yeah. Um, and the best way to get comfortable running at night is to run at night. It's it's kind of hard to describe how like you're in you know when you're normally running, your world is huge. It's 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 massive. It's everything around you, and then when night comes, it encloses into this tiny little five wide space of where your your light can go and it's just you and the trail and it's a very different mental aspect of just you 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 can't see more than 20 feet ahead of you you can't see a wide range of stuff and you just have to feel comfortable living in that tiny little world yeah i before you started describing that just now i thought that in the winter time i basically only run at night Mm -hmm. but I run in an urban area yep. <laughs> where there's actually way more light than my headlamp, but I still yep. use my headlamp. Um, but the only night run that I've had um, where it was on a trail was just recently. And I was running, or I got there early, and it was before the time change. And I didn't realize I was going to get there before sun up. But I, I was out of town, so I needed to go ahead and get my run over so that I could go be m- with my friends. So I was like, all right, just 
screw it, I'm going to go on this trail with no headlamp in the, <laughs> in the dark. I did it, and I'll tell you this. Lessons the hard way. <laughs> there, I didn't, you know, I wouldn't do it again. I, I have my vest now, and I'll keep a headlamp in it. Mm-hmm. But a, one of those white-tailed deer, there was like 10 of them. Yeah. And when you're running in the dark and you hear a sudden noise, dude, you poop your pants on those. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause they're not, they're kind of close too. Like, yep. and they jump so high and you see their little white butts and stuff, but it's scary. So mm-hmm. even if you have a headlamp on, it just has like a, a pillar of light. Yep. You know, it seems like it's something that can be scary. How do you feel when you're out there on a trail at night with just that beam of light and the noises around you? Do you get nervous or what? Oh, uh, it, it, you quickly become good at recognizing what noises are what. So, you know, deer have that, that long arcing jump so you can hear that. But then if you hear deep, uh, purposeful footprints, <laughs> it becomes very scary very fast. Um, yeah. Bears, boars rattlesnakes uh you usually don't hear cats which is almost worse yeah (laughs) and i've experienced all of those on different trails yeah um at some point or another i was on first landing in the broad daylight the other day (laughs) and a squirrel comes up the squirrels the squirrels yesterday but it was two it was two or three weeks ago and it was a basically a dead snake it looked like it had a black back and an orange belly but it didn't look dead. And I basically like did like a Heisman trophy yep. side oh. side jump. Like, oh gosh. Yep. Like like you know when you sit a on those you on YouTube when you set a cucumber next to a distracted cat and then it sees it and jumps on yep. the place? That's where I was like, I was like, oh snap. Like I understood that instinct yep. for a cat to jump away from a yep. cucumber. But um yeah, so it's interesting. You you're training in the environment that you're going to have to compete in oh yeah so yeah. That, that makes sense and that's one of the that's one of the big tenets of ultra run even if you're like doing trail runs during the day just learning how to trail run and technical trail running is like a, a, a completely different world than road trail running just because your your gate changes you know, your your momentum is constantly changing so it's it's an entirely different feel on the body versus just you know traditional road running that we have yeah Let's talk about some other crazy stuff on Strava. <laughs> Just scroll through Jason Hallenbeck's Strava real quick while you're listening to this. <laughs> and you'll find quickly lots of track runs. But I want you to look at the distance that he puts down on a track. I can't even run a mile on a track without getting bored to death. And you, on a regular basis lay 20 miles down on a track dude like wow <laughs> a lot of it's metal training so uh, when i was doing a especially this year before heart of the south i was putting in a lot of track runs we'll talk about heart of the south later but it, it's it's a long straight race so the 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 big thing is is just mental fortitude being able to just go and have nothing to look at nothing to think about nothing to do but run for hours mm-hmm. track accomplishes that yeah. pretty well. So it's, uh, so an, another, the, so what I'm saying, what we can gather here is that a lot of your crazy runs are, there's like a definite method to the madness. Okay. Like there's a reason behind it. It's because you're training the conditions. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about the, the old rack, the, the old rag 
uh, run came, I think, before the Wild Oak Trail, which the Wild Oak Trail is basically 112 miles of what old rag is. Gosh. So, so okay. So track is crazy. But even more recently, and I hope we can talk about this for a second, <laughs> you did different kinds of loops. And you ran around a hotel building for miles and <laughs> miles and miles for what seemed like 14 days. <laughs> Thank now, you, COVID. <laughs> tell us a little bit about the, the hotel loop because that's not it's, – it's much smaller than a track it seemed like. Or was it about the same? It was a little bit smaller than a track. It was, okay. I think it was like 0.2 or 0.18 miles. It was something like that. Um. So I I had gotten for work I had gotten quarantined or what they call rommed in a hotel room which basically meant uh, I had I had talked them into lightening up the restrictions so that I didn't have to leave the hotel or that I was restricted to the hotel property so that meant that I could run around the hotel parking lot and that's how I got in my twenty miler <laughs> that weekend was. Wow was running around the hotel parking lot, which I didn't realize at the time, but you really have to keep an eye out because this wasn't like running around the hotel parking lot. I'm like running in between cars in the hotel. So I'm constantly oh on alert trying to make sure I don't get run over from a car pulling out. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, okay, I have, I have a new question you don't know about. What do people say when they see you out here doing these things? Because... I mean, somebody that goes to your track has to be like, he's been out here for a really long time. Or somebody <laughs> looking at the hotel has to be like, this looks crazy. I remember there was a little quarantine challenge of doing a one-mile loop in your backyard. Yeah. And you've, just, you've seen my yard. My yard's like just like a couple square feet. So I kn all my neighbors were having freaking cookouts the day I did it. <laughs> so they were all like, what is he doing? Like, it's so... But do people respond or do you not get much reaction? Uh, I I will occasionally get the side eye. Like, I saw you running and they kind of give you the side eye. Like, are you crazy? Or <laughs> do we need to do, do we need to have a discussion and talk about your mental well-being? Like, no, that's just <laughs> okay. what I do for a hobby. <laughs> nice. Well, we're about to, to wrap this uh, this portion of your interview up. But before we do, we're going to do what we're what we've called the advice column, dude. So, um. If you have a couple pieces of advice that you'd give to a runner, maybe somebody who's interested in ultra running or somebody who's interested in, in getting fit, what, whatever you think is good advice, share it with us. Uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you two. I'll give you the first one that anybody can use because I know like only 5% of your listeners are probably ultra runners. <laughs> but all right, the, the biggest thing I can tell to anybody, if you're a 5K runner, marathon, or ultra marathoner, it, it, this is universal across the board, find what pushes you find what inspires you and there, there's going to be a whole a whole bunch of things for some people it's running in groups for some people it's it's having their significant other push them uh you know through the tough times uh, for me it's music music is if you if you see me go down and throw down some really fast times on the track i was listening to music during that that run <laughs> but almost almost just as importantly because this is a, a huge mistake that i made uh, I discovered that music was a huge push for me and every single run I listened to music and that threw me into an injury so fast. Oh man. So yeah, so 
save it, right? So most of your training, you're supposed to probably do, you know, one, two, maybe three hard runs a week. Use it then. And then during the other times, find stuff that almost doesn't inspire you to, to keep you in check and to keep that like super inspirational stuff. Cause I can only play a playlist so many times before it drives me to be super awesome. <laughs> and before, you know, it starts to lose its edge a little bit. So find what inspires you and then use it sparingly. And then on race day, lean into it, mm-hmm. lean into it as much as you can and, and use it to push you. And then for ultra runners, by far the most important thing is, and we, we kind of touched on this is if you, whatever race you have, whatever event you have coming up, train for that like that. So if you're doing, if you're doing a mountain ultra, get out on the trails, learn how to do technical descents, because nothing makes people struggle more than trying to run down the side of a mountain when they've only been on the road for the last six months. Yeah. Technical descending is, is not something that you can just jump into. It's, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of work. And the same thing with just mentally running straight on a road for four straight days. It, it's not something you can just jump into. So yeah, train like you race. I'll add, I'll add to that a little bit. For, I'll add to both those. I listen to music for the most part. I don't have to, but I do. But I noticed at some point that I was getting like excited and pumped up at mm-hmm. my music. I made a classical music playlist. Yep, and that go. actually relaxes me and mm-hmm. makes me chill. Yep. So I'll listen to uh, – We. I might, I've been planning on sharing the, some of my playlists on the Forerunners Podcast Facebook page. But I made like a running soundtrack one from – like movies and some of the <laughs> some of the songs are real heart touching and sentimental and mm-hmm. some of them are like super action packed. So those a lot of times dictate what's not, what I'm doing on my run, but I think that's interesting. I did I have made a playlist based on that advice. I have a whole slew of playlists depending on what it is. So I've got a, a huge playlist of just songs that kind of pump me up a little bit if I want to try and maintain like a good pace. I've got a playlist that I call bangers, which is just like this, you know, this is speed work music. So for 400 meters, 800 meters, like just to, uh, yeah, you know, hardcore stuff. And then I've got music that's specific BPMs so I can shut off my brain and my feet move at the beat of the music and just go. Yeah. And the second thing I was going to add to it is that when I signed up for the Seashore 50K, I was like, I should try to get some miles in over there because all I ever do is road run. Mm-hmm. And I ran six miles on that jank and like could hardly walk the next day Yep. on the trails. Like it like destroyed my body, I guess, because of the stabilizing muscles that I'm not used to using. Yep. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I'm going to run the Seashore 50K, I've got to train out here for every long run. And I did. And like we, we, we brought it up. I just ran. It's not the Seashore 50K hasn't happened yet as of this interview, but I did just do my last long run out there and I, 100% on the trail did a marathon. So I I've kind of taken that advice. I mm. might have learned it from you indirectly. <laughs> like if I'm going to do a, a an ultra, I got to train in the conditions where yep. I'm going to race it. So um yeah, you build into that. So that's good advice, man. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in a second. Well, in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty fascinating stuff, huh? 
Wait until you guys hear Jason's ultra running stories. That'll be on next week's episode. For this week's haiku, I had to do a little digging on the internet, and I found this guy named Chris Cooper, who wrote a fitting haiku for this week's episode. It goes like this. 5K or 10K? How about a marathon? No, Ultra is next. That's good stuff. For now, this is Danny, signing off. Godspeed.